0: Hi, this is Bill Bryan, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast.
1: If something strange in a neighborhood. The creature's goes of the ocean goes of the destructor. Volga Sildoha, the traveler, has come. Choose and perish
0: what do you mean, choose? We don't understand.
1: Choose. Choose the form of the destructor.
0: Oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, very cute.
1: Whatever we think of, if we think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover will appear and destroy us, OK? So empty your hands.
2: Empty your hands. Don't think of anything. We've only got one shot at this.
1: The choice is made. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa! The traveler has come. Nobody choose anything. Did you choose anything?
2: No. Did you? The line is totally blank.
3: I didn't choose anything! I couldn't help it.
1: It just popped in there. What? What just popped in there? I, I, I tried to think. Look! No, it can't be. What is
2: it? It can't be. What did you do, Ray? Oh, shit.
0: It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man.
2: and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and boy oh boy do we have an exciting episode for you guys this week. If you've been watching movies, then you've definitely seen his work before. His costume designs and visual effects have been seen in so many movies like Men in Black, Child's Play, Jurassic Park 3, Dune, Dicentennial Man, Army of Darkness, Spider-Man 2. One thing he's done that blew my mind while talking to him was he's actually carved the great big yogurt statue in Spaceballs. That blew my freaking mind, but he's best known for being the guy who designed the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man outfit in Ghostbusters 1 and being the guy inside the costume. He is Stay Puffed himself. We welcome costume, special effect artist, and actor Bill Bryan to the show today. And man, what a great conversation we had with him. We talked with Bill all about how he got into the business, which is incredible in itself. And uh, some of the amazing projects he's worked on, as well as all of his experiences uh, having worked with Robin Williams over the years. Uh, It was absolutely incredible to hear. This is one you're not going to want to miss, people. One thing that came up that we didn't even know, we weren't even aware of, is he had his hands in the actual uh, production of the Nicolas Cage Superman outfit. If any of you know what that is, if you don't, get on Google and check it out because it's incredible. But we had an amazing conversation with Bill. He's such a nice person. Uh, it's hard not to like the guy. So we hope you enjoy it. But before we get to that, I just want to remind you guys, don't forget to find us on Twitter at pod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show a little bit of support, head over to patreon.com forward slash pod or just head to our website, candarepodcast.com, where for $5 a month. Or ten dollars, depending on how much you want to get for your money, you can get uh, shows that the normies aren't getting. The Candair Patreon pod. There's Candair Radio Theater. Uh, what else? Candare Classics. We have the traumatic episode, the interview that went wrong with Lloyd Kaufman. All kinds of things on there to listen to. So check that out again, candarepodcast.com. Hit that Patreon button, or there's also the merch button you can hit. And if you want to support us, get yourself a Candare t-shirt, mug, sticker, all kinds of different things on there for you to get. And if you uh, still want to support us, but maybe can't do it financially, head over to your podcast player of choice and leave us a review. Let me tell you what, people, I've been harping on it, but I'm not kidding when I say it makes a big difference. So any of those things to support us would be truly and greatly appreciated. And also, don't forget to listen to us on the uh, Evergreen Podcast Network, the network we're very proud to be a part of, along with many other great shows. Head to evergreenpodcasts.com to check us and many other fantastic podcasts out. One thing I want to quickly address before the conversation starts is that we were experiencing uh, some kind of a feedback problem that I wasn't able to handle during the recording, I think I was able to take care of most of it in post, but there are gonna be times you occasionally hear somewhat of like a, a whoosh sound come over our conversation. I don't think it's too disturbing. If I thought it was too bad, I wouldn't post this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it came out pretty good. And so we hope you all really enjoy our conversation with Bill Bryan. Bill, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on our show today. It's quite an honor to have uh, yourself on here, not only because of, uh, you know, Stave Puff, but my God, all the amazing effects that you've brought to life with your work. So it's a great honor to have you here. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: So uh, let's uh, jump. I'd I'd like to start at the beginning. Let's jump right back. Like, How did you get into costume design and uh, and, and all this amazing stuff?
0: All right. I come from an artistic family. I'm one of seven kids. I was watching TV. It was uh, in high school. And Jim Henson put on a show called Muppets on Puppets. And they showed how to make different kinds of puppets. And uh, among them, there was a, a Muppet. And when I learned the basic move of uh, you know cutting a wedge out, gluing it together, and it starts to create a curve. And after that, the rest is uh, art history.
2: That's incredible. So jumping right back, how so how did that uh, then lead into such an amazing career? What was what,
0: okay. what... Well, funny? I, I started making puppets uh, and costumes. I, I went to Syracuse University as a metalsmithing major in the, the metal course. They taught a whole lot of different materials and I was still making Halloween costumes out of foam to make extra money, you know, go to the win prizes at the bar that kind of thing and then uh while i was there at syracuse um a friend asked me if i would make a plant costume for a plant food commercial that they were they were shooting for a class and the guy that was doing the announcing for the commercial was named bruce tufeld and his father dick tufeld ring a bell lost his How- face there you go, Danger Will Robinson. Yeah. And uh, so Dick was in the control booth while they were shooting the commercial, and the director went in and said, so what do you think, Mr. Tufeld? Is there a place for me in Hollywood? He said, no, but there's a place for the guy that made that costume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Rory. Uh, but <laughs> well, I heard about it, and uh, I, I sent him a letter, and he returned with a phone call, and he said, yeah, I can't give you a job, but uh, I think that you'd probably do pretty well out there, which adjusted my view of the, of the future. I thought maybe I was gonna be a, an impoverished silversmith on, uh, on Cape Cod, but instead there uh, was a whole you know, glistening future in Hollywood. So, <laughs> I, so I got aboard my, my bicentennial rocket thumb and I crossed the country <laughs> and uh, in 1976. And uh, when I ran out of rides at the desert, I hopped a freight in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, took that to Salt Lake City, and then uh, then another one into, uh, well, let's see, I got out in, in about Sacramento because I was told by one of the bohos aboard the boxcar that uh, if we got to, to Stockton, I would get beat up and kicked out. Well, anyway, Ooh. so uh, I ended up uh, heading on down, back on the Thumb and down, down to L.A., and when I got here, I called Dick Tufeld. and he said, hey, come on over for dinner. So I did, uh, and we talked a bit, and then he he helped me out by sticking his head into the CBS wardrobe department one day while he was doing some announcing, and uh, he. Dropped my name and got a number, and they uh, said, "Send him in." So I did that. Went to CBS, and then uh, they gave me a number for NBC, and they told me about another place called Fantasy Fair, and but they didn't have a number for for the guy that ran that, Tommy O'Neill. But I went out and I stuck out my thumb again to go home, and a little red sunbeam like Maxwell Smart drives uh, pulled up, and it was a piano tuner <laughs> who. Uh, did have Tommy O'Neill's number. And so <laughs> my oh, first job yeah. was actually at Fantasy Fair. And then after uh, i have been there for about a month, they let me go and uh, they called NBC. And uh, I worked there for about five years, doing stuff for Johnny Carson and various things like that. Uh, all the uh, variety shows with an and in the middle, there was Captain Anne to Neil, Donnie Ann Marie, Sonny Ann. <laughs> Actually, I didn't do any more Dan Bindi, <laughs> although <laughs> uh, although I did meet Robin Williams there at NBC because they were getting ready to do a uh, Laugh-In, uh, another right. go at, at Laugh-Inch. And so he was – I happened to sit in on a, on a shoot of – a little a commercial for spray socks that he did. And it was so impressive because uh, when when he hadn't shaken the can and so when he went to spray his foot uh, with the spray paint, um, it didn't come out. So he did it again and he did it all entirely differently. It was so brilliant. Anyway, but um, then once they kind of ran out of things for me to do there at NBC, uh, I went out uh, looking around. I, I worked at Sid and Marty Crofts for a little while. Mm. Remember them? You're we doing, uh, it doesn't matter what it was, uh, Earlene Mandrell. Uh, remember the Mandrell sisters? Oh yeah. Barbara? Mm-hmm. Well, Earlene was the drummer, and, and I think Marty said, hey, I can make you a star. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, they we put together a show with the same puppets repeated as had been in the Barbara show. The Texas Critters, I think they call them. And while working there, I met Mark Siegel. There was another show that was about to get started. It was called Broadway Babies, I think. And uh, he was clay sculpting these heads for these puppets, and I was foam fabricating things. And we got to talk, and we were, got to be buddies. And then uh, when he left there and went over to Don Post Studio, remember Don Post doing the the rubber masks? Uh, on the back of Famous Monsters magazine, you know, those uh, those great, uh, all the Aurora, I mean, not Aurora, but the, uh, you know, Universal Monsters, uh, yeah. those mm-hmm. classic masks were done out of Don Post Studios, and before... They got so much into the masks. They had been doing some movie stuff way back when. Then they got into the masks and out of doing the movies. And so Don thought, hey, maybe we can do some movies. So he asked Mark Siegel to sculpt the still suits for Dune, David Lynch's Dune. And so um, Mark said, uh, actually, these should be fabricated just because that way they'll look realer and and cooler and all that. Anyway, so uh, and I know just the guy, and he uh, got me an interview. I went over, and we, uh, we made 300 still suits for for Dune, a lot of uh, very specific ones for specific people, and then a whole bunch of extras for, for extras. And then when that was done, one of the ladies that uh, helped work on it, her name's uh, Linda Frobos, and she's a sculptor. And when she, she went to the next job over at Boss Films, to sculpt on Ghostbusters. And so when she called and asked uh, asked me, uh, how would you build a Marshmallow Man if you had to? And so I started telling her and then she said, well, why don't you just come in and talk to these guys? And so that's what I did. And they they gave me the job and uh, let me uh, wear it and, and uh, build it, build it and wear it, I guess in that order. That worked out nicely. Uh, it really started out the rest of my career. Did you happen to look at my, uh, my resume wrap? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was very cool. <laughs> so there have been a bunch of little pieces along the way since then. I got in two unions because of Ghostbusters, the Sculptors and the Screen Actors Guild. And uh, so I got a bunch of work through the Sculptors Union at first, and that helped me get into other things. I wasn't really fond of carving green death, they called it, you know, the floral foam. Yeah. Sure. You, know, you get enough of that in the air and, and inside of you. It gets gritty anyway. So, uh, but along the way, uh, Sculpt helped Sculpt. There was a, you know, the, the terracotta soldiers in China?
2: I think so. Um, I
0: okay. Well, um, in Die Hard, the first guy that gets shot has one in his office. And we carved that. Cool. Um, awesome! I just watched that was, the other night. <laughs> there was also a, uh, a this beautiful dancing girl, uh, you know, delicate, uh, but she was crushed to powder before she made it to set by a grip. Anyway,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he was never oh heard my. from again.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so radical. Let's see. Oh, oh, yogurt! Remember uh, the big statue of yogurt? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Spaceballs, yeah, carved on that one. And that was all Someone's foam like, too. Yeah, yeah, big, uh, big blocks of of uh, green green foam. Yeah, oh,
2: that's crazy. Wow. The whole namesake of our show is a tribute to spaceballs, <laughs> yes. so that's that's <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Then. Very cool. It, it, it's I would love uh, to read your book if you uh, have one or ever get one together because I
0: guess I do need to do that, don't I? Thank oh, promising.
2: Especially with the whole uh, hitchhiking thing, that's you could not do that these days. Like that's incredible, you know. Uh, there was the perfect a perfect open window to fall into
0: everything, right, just like yeah. that. Well, there was a moment. There's a thing called a flat wheeler, which. If you get started across the desert and you realize you've gotten into a flat wheeler, your, you know, your bones are going to get crushed. So the train stopped at a certain point in the middle of the desert on a curve. And so some of the guys signaled to some of the other guys in another car, and they said, no, ours is good. So come on over. So we went running across the curve and climbed into this other boxcar. And when I, was in the boxcar old Willie bearded old white guy comes up to me and he hands me my wallet and my traveler's checks that had fallen out of my pocket they were lying there on the desert floor and old Willie saw it happen and brought it to me now I have this theory that Old Willie is actually me (laughs) Ooh. Wow.
2: <laughs> my brain is about to melt out of my nose wow you really gotta write a book
3: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so you're just sitting there watching for yourself to drop your wallet to hand it back to keep everything yep. going yeah exactly. <laughs> because of, of anybody who would do that you certainly wouldn't expect a, a hobo riding the rails to do it you would yeah would be like, you know, the lottery you know
0: Well, old Roger came up to me. and said, "Hey, you know what? Old Willie done for you. I, I don't know that I would have done that. And uh, you know, might be nice if he was to receive a little, you know, reward of some sort. (laughs) 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 Can I buy you some beer? (laughs) That do, that do."
2: Wow! Incredible! (laughs) Incredible! (laughs) Well, of course, we're going to uh, ask you about Stay Puft and uh, your experiences there. But uh, before we do, there's a few other things I'd like to touch on. I mean, your IMDB is very, very long. So, of course, we don't it's have weird, time to
0: isn't it? it's touch on everything. Scattered. It's incredible. Some, some of it's there. Some of it's not.
2: That's what was so awesome about the resume rap, is watching that, uh, I was seeing a lot of things that I wasn't seeing on IMDb, and I was like, wait, what? Wait, hold on. I had to rewind it and watch it a few times to take everything in. It was pretty incredible.
0: And they're all sort of uh, coded, you know, schmello, schweezel. I mean, I don't want to say shit weasel, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: my God, that's funny. Right, well, um, the first one I would like to touch on, being a huge Chucky uh, fan, is Child's Play. I just wonder if you could uh, tell us a little bit about your involvement there okay. and uh, what it was like to operate that puppet.
0: Well, you notice in the rap, technically it says, Chucky wasn't done <clears throat> until i done my bit. Because yeah. I wasn't one of the original eight puppeteers, but uh, when one of the guys went away, they asked me to fill in uh, Mark Tyler who were helped build still suits and stay Puft, was one of the puppeteers and he suggested my name. And so I, I uh, was able to join them for a while and I got to do a few fun little bits and pieces. Uh, uh <clears throat> a specific moment uh, when he shoves the key into the door and turns it, you know, that was yeah. me. Got it on the first shot. That, that was <laughs> <Wow>. a
1: pro. Uh, <laughs>
0: And, uh, yeah, and you know, his cheeks and eyebrows mostly, that kind of thing. And uh, so, when he mostly, they say, leave it alone, you know. <laughs> and so, that's a skill. <laughs> there, I do remember a specific moment when uh, when Chucky's in the fireplace, and uh, and Alec Vincent is is about to drop in the match. You remember? Right. <laughs> right. Is, uh, it, uh, hey, I thought we were going to be friends to the end. And Alex was supposed to say, this is the end. Bread. Right. 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 Well, when his moment came, he said, That's the end, Flynn.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so Tom Holland had to talk him up a little bit. And it took a few tries before he got past the identical Thing that he had practiced already
2: <laughs> yeah he was very young very young good guy I'm... absolutely and he's st- still playing that character to this day on the uh, sci-fi on the series, series. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah yeah incredible That's randy it. i know you had a couple uh things you wanted to touch on
1: yeah and it's a little bit uh closer to, to now um I, I did happen to catch your uh, kaiju fury uh vr oh. <laughs> movie that you were a creative supervisor on oh right and, um I, I just saw it on my like, what was Bill that? Bill and Ted's kaiju adventure,
0: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I gotta say it it very much reminded me of the old Kong Universal ride. Like it just had that kind of feeling of you know being in the middle of it. Oh right. Um but no, it was it was great. What's uh I know you were creative supervisor on that. How much did you do the the creature animation? Or? Oh
0: okay, okay. Um here's what we did. That was actually, it's with the, the Stan Winston School of Character Arts, right? Yeah, I think character. Um, and you can find that swca.com, I think. And uh, they had us, over the course of two weeks, Ted Haynes and I were teaching how to build two kaijus. Uh, they, they came up with the designs and then we figured out in a big hurry how to do them and I, you know, got as much inspiration out of, out of my uh, my team as I could and then they would run over and help build buildings. We thought that we were going to keep them and keep constructing the uh, the creature uh, over the course of the day. That didn't happen so much. We did for the hour or two that were in the class and then off they'd run to, to make the uh, the miniature town um and then
1: when that was all done we uh, set it up and knocked it down It it is a lot of fun they i mean it's only like about three minutes but it's yeah, yeah. it's a fun three minutes <laughs>
0: oh, and there was a they were using a, a system of the oculus system i think or mm-hmm. something and so you know they got i think they were sort of beta testing it a little bit mm-hmm. or something like that so we managed to make something exciting now those the classes are also available on, on DVD, by the way. Okay. If you want to learn how to build those things, you know, or any other uh, aspect of, of uh, character arts. I don't know if you've seen any of the uh, the classes that they teach at the Stan Winston School. They, all the best, uh, you know, the top of the line, uh, sculptors, mold makers, uh, just all kinds of great effects folks it's worth looking at painting i will oh.
1: definitely check that out yeah what else
0: ask me another question
1: <laughs> <laughs> so my other question is uh you are on the uh um excuse me the special effects crew for the new jackass movie coming out oh and <laughs> being a fan of the franchise for so long i was just curious if you got roped into any pranks. when
0: does when does this come out this your uh podcast? the podcast your podcast <laughs>
2: Uh, probably within the okay. next week, I imagine NDAs uh, uh, are probably in effect. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's the
0: point I'm going to have to stress. I um I did some puppeteering. Okay. Ooh, okay. that's intriguing. Is all hell, isn't it? And and the you know the the last thing we were talking about was kind of interestingly uh, linked into this, but mm. you know, you'll have to you'll have to take a look at it.
1: Okay. All right. I will be watching out for it. Remember the meaning of
0: life. Uh, yes. Monty Python. Yes. Remember right. how it started with the chartered accountant movie that Terry Gilliam threw together? Uh, threw together. He used up their entire budget on this little short that opened the movie. Well, it's. I think it's a. It's kind of like that in the a, a short film opening the film. It should be. Oh, enjoyed. I, can, I can not wait to see this. It's appropriate for them. it could be
2: so many things (laughs) yeah man that's a great endorsement in Mm -hmm. itself if you didn't want to see it before you do now right Wow. Okay, um, one more uh, I want to touch on before we get to Stay Puft. Doc Ock's tentacles from Spider-Man 2. That looked like that was some kind of undertaking. I mean, in the past, when I've watched the documentary, I had seen, you know, four different people having each of those tentacles on, like, long sticks. But then, I can't remember what video of yours I saw on YouTube, but it showed yourself, like, in almost like this, kind of like a rowing, (laughs) like a a boat or a light apparatus
0: thing. We call that the Octo Lounger. It was, <laughs> it was set up so that you could uh, run some of the controls with your feet and some with each hand. You know, it's a, an elaborate uh, multi-axis uh, controller on on either side, turning and twisting and side side. Anyway, and that was to control the the hands. The uh, you know the, the like mouth the opening and closing yeah. Yeah. and they were amazing the number of different shapes that they could achieve by using those. Um each I mean there was an octal lounger for each head. Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a lot going on in there because it was so many uh links uh you know anyway the, right, the guys made right. these uh, the mechanics over at uh, at edge effects uh, Steve Johnson's shop were uh, pretty amazing uh, mark uh, Mike Elizalde, I believe was involved but we had oh and uh, oh just a whole bunch of the guys uh, uh, Rick Gallinson, I think was in there and oh, oh Bob, Bob mono a lot of great guys uh, and wow. uh, specialists in their field so that was for the heads, then the rest, the tentacles themselves were made of lots of skinny little wafers of foam that had been uh, uh, plated, brass plated, and so they they got a lot heavier as they you know got sure. pretty, yeah. prettier. Um, and there was a moment uh Lyle Conway was in in he was the head of the puppeteers at the time. And his answer, no, we can't use these, wasn't going to work. And so uh, they let him go and they asked me to take over at the, at the, the helm uh, for a while there because uh, he knew that I'd say, yeah, okay, whatever, we'll do it. <laughs> so we uh, figured out how, how to work those things. Um, we had some things, DLs was one of them. There was DL-14s and DL-26s. DL stands for dog leash. Uh, when you push the button, the, the extendable uh, cord mm-hmm. uh, goes through through a uh, pulley and then it grabs the arm at a spot and, you know, you lift that up and down and you get enough of them going and you, you manage to uh, give it a, a fluidity between them. And so we could, you know, depending on where, what the move was, you extend, then you, you know collect, you know, let it retract until you're in the perfect puppeteer spot. So that was in the middle. Um, of course at at the body they had, they just connected to his body. And then, um, the heads were on rolling teeter totters, but these teeter, they were steel. Um, it was, it looked a lot like, um, you know, the, uh, hand car for railroad, you know, that, uh, yeah, know, like the, action, uh, yeah. yes, picture, uh, uh, the general or something like, that. You <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> so it looked a lot like that, a big, uh, it was on, on a rolling platform with a, uh, rotation plus the up and down. And, uh, it wasn't until after we were done that Brad Abrell, who was on one of those and doing a lot with it that he admitted that he had a bad back. And the only reason he'd done it was because he knew he'd probably lose the job if he mentioned. <laughs> so, wow. Was How effective. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it worked out well. Now, we were responsible for inside of four feet. Outside of that, it was uh, digital. And uh, what's his name? Apogee. Uh, uh, come on. It went away. Oh, well. That's okay. Uh, that happened at right. the time. Anyway, um, uh, so we worked it out between us that uh, he'd take it beyond the four feet. And so they did a lot of that, picking up cars and throwing them. Fortunately, we didn't have to do that.
3: <laughs> Pull harder. You're
0: <laughs> going to have to get the heavy-duty dog leash.
2: <laughs> so are you um, then – You know, we're less than two weeks away from seeing this character return to the big screen in the new Spider-Man film. Are you going to be uh, returning and doing this work again? Uh,
0: I wish. Nah, they they did it all digital this time. Uh, Ah.
2: (laughs) It's crazy how much, you know, you you, you talk about all the little uh, moving, uh, everywhere it could move and bend in the way it was moving. Those tentacles had their own personality i mean i know Mm -hmm. they were supposed to within the context of the story but it was conveyed so well
0: glad to hear you say that (laughs) a lot of a lot of energy went into that Mm, that that's so amazing
2: all right everyone we're going to jump to a quick commercial break really quick and when we return we're going to be hearing bill talk about designing the stay puff marshmallow man outfit and being inside the thing so stick around All right, here we are. Stay puffed the Marshmallow Man. Uh, Tell us about this suit. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) This suit is um, incredible, and it looks like it had to have been, um, and and I'm just saying difficult because I don't know shit about designing a costume. It might have been child's play, no pun intended for you. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the build of this suit?
0: Uh, Let's see. First, I tried carving the foam. Did some some arm parts, carved them. It takes a lot of smoothing to get foam back to smooth. If you can work with the fresh cut surface as the outer surface, then you're miles ahead. So what we ended up doing was fabricating it. Um, uh, I carved a a body shape out of green foam. Um, Then, uh, let's see. It was fiberglass clad, and that was removed and put back together again, hollow. John Byrd thought that see the first suit that we built, uh, it was all out of out of soft foam, and uh, when it walked over the camera, the crotch oh, looked like a baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> And that wasn't what they were looking for. No, I would nah. say
2: not. I would say not.
0: So uh, there was a lot of panic about that. We've got to stiffen up the crotch. And you so that's, 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 that's why that fiberglass core was made. And I didn't want to wear a fiberglass costume. Sure. Yeah. The first job I did at NBC was a disco duck. Do you remember Rick D's? Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Rick D's radio, uh, AM radio guy, he uh, found some fame in the 70s uh, with a a thing he called Disco Duck, and uh, you can probably find it online. Uh, Disco, Disco Duck, something like that. uh, I always thought it was Donald Duck, because I I, I vaguely remember the song, but I was real little back then, too, so it was always going to be Donald Right, of course, that makes sense. (laughs) But um, So he had a fiberglass one, and it was cutting him up. And so the first job I did at NBC was to make a soft duck body for for disco duck. And so I knew that the fiberglass was something I did not want to perform in. And so I I cut it in half, saying, uh, maybe we'll just use the bottom. Well, of course, then we've got this line. But it gave me enough time to get some uh, of another type of foam, L-200, which uh, it's, a, it's stiffer. It's still flexible, but uh, boogie board foam is, you know, etha foam is about the same consistency, but it's done with more with heat. This is done more with chemical. Uh, mm. Very, very fine pour. You see actually um, <clears throat> shoes. Inside, sometimes some of the uh, the soft parts of sneakers, or you know, right, right. And I know it, they use it a lot on Face Off that show because I oh, they'd always right, talked right, about right. L two hundred foam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, EVA is another name for it, but that's not the environment. <laughs> anyway, <I'm forgetting>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we did end up making a layer first, an egg shape. Actually, I have on my. Phone. I have a an album of stuff, uh, so let me flip across to find it. There'll be a few things I can show you. Steve Johnson was on the on Ghostbusters before I was, and he comes from sculpt it, cast it, sculpt it, mold it, cast it. So um, you can get repeats, but you always have a seam wherever you have a seam. We wanted to be able to cover this thing and hide the seams off camera. So it, it, you could stretch one piece of foam just past the horizon on either side, and then you'd have to add another piece. Or, and there were, there were you know, wrinkles and seams, but they went underneath the bib, underneath the arms and legs. And so we were able to just barely get that covered and just past the horizon we made front view suits, side view suits, back view suits. So we made uh, around ten, I think, suits and burned. Wow, that's right. hot, isn't it? Burt most of them. Didn't burn the. Now, I didn't do the burns. Tony Cesar did the burns. There was there was some kerfuffle about the son of the the uh, stunt coordinator. He was I think he was afraid of it, afraid of the fire or something. Uh, didn't know it until it happened, and so he kept dropping to his knees before they got anything. Yeah. That being the indication of put me out, and so then finally they got Tony, who has done so many the thing, and any time you see a really good burn, it's probably Tony Cesar, uh, and so they brought him in 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 a big hurry in his own in his own uh, Nomex suit in his own gel he'd dip it and squeeze it out and put it on put in the suit put on his supplied air um and then uh, the head goes on and uh light him up joe Viscoso was the uh, head pyro guy well he was the the pyro guy for stay puff then morris was the head pyro guy who hired joe maybe rest in peace um but i did just actually uh Thane was doing some pyro on jackass. <laughs> <sighs> In the
2: <end>. More insight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so the, one of the pictures here is of the eggshell layer, or, or we call them eggs. Now, do you know about the T-shirt? Tell them about the T-shirt.
2: <laughs> I don't know about the T-shirt,
0: no. Well, I'll start, start by showing that. Here we are, several of us are going to be able to. Come on, camera. Oh, it's seeing me. Okay. Funny how it's picking it out. That's weird. Yeah, it's 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 that that background
2: effect or whatever.
0: It is strange. But you see the T-shirt I'm wearing there? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Michelin T-shirt. And when we first see Stay Puffed, it's just his head bobbing behind the building. Right? Sure. And so they wanted the head and the buildings in focus. I couldn't wear the suit because it would push me too far away from the building. So I just wore the t-shirt thinking you'll never see it. It's a fun piece of shtick, you know, Michelin. Uh, right, sure. And then it showed, now, I don't know if this will show at all. Um, somebody pieced together the four frames as the t-shirt went behind an alleyway oh my just make out what it is but it's you can see it wow so can you see that in the film at all yeah yeah you blu-ray that and you click through and you will be able to see the michelin t-shirt it's very subtle but uh, i first started noticing that i could see just a a, a flash of yellow go, oh there it is and then when as as the media get got better the image was easier to see. And then some, somebody that uh, online, you know, a Facebook friend, pieced it together for me. So that, wow. <laughs> could, I'm going to have to dig that up. Seriously, I'm gonna, yeah. I could show my Easter egg. Now, do you know about the tie? What about the tie, Egon? One day, one night, while Joe Viscosal was preparing the suit for, uh, for Tony Cesar to wear, he was putting flash bulbs in the bib. So that it would flash and flash and you know look cool as the proton wand is you know it's it's hitting. I and uh, I said, I've got to put this this tie. I got to connect this to the bib. And he said, Don't don't do it yet. I'm I'm afraid I'll lean up you know mess it up. So well, it didn't make it on. And so oh no. <laughs> oh, shit. So there's a
2: scene where he's missing
0: the tie, and it is the moment. When the guys first blast stay puffed they're up on the parapet the four are lined up and and there i went to michael gross very embarrassed and frightened and I said just after great applause for having got the shot so everybody sat there and saw it all by itself on the screen and didn't notice but i went to michael and said i don't want to have to tell you this but he wasn't wearing his tie Ooh, ah well he said it's such a complicated shot that probably no one will notice if they do who should we charge for the thirty thousand dollar reshoot <laughs> I said, <"That> guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the
2: answer is not me
3: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway um That's so incredible though yeah i've never noticed it's, that it's either. in the movie um it is that first moment and uh Now, the one reason you don't notice it is because the parapet is here at first, and it isn't until he leans back far enough that, that about there, you know, it just reveals across the bottom. Uh, and then, you know, it's pretty obvious if you know, if you're looking for it, I was in a bar once and mentioned it and somebody said, you're in my book. What? come back next Thursday. I'll bring it. And so I have a copy of a book with the, you know, the little sign here tab is pointing to his ties missing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A blooper because It's just a one-liner, but Hey, I'm in it. <laughs> that's incredible though. I would have never
2: noticed that. I mean, when he's, when he's, I think that's the first time you really see his face, like in anguish, like really looking disturbed. And that's yeah. really the focal point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I would have yeah. never noticed that.
0: And, you know, there's there is a lot going on. The the guys, the ones, the, uh, you know, a lot of they could have wiped it out with their with their wines if they'd noticed. But no.
2: <laughs> right. That's yeah. incredible. because That's such Scary. a hard hitting scene. And especially, you know, you already touched on the fire and you addressed that. But I was always very curious because, you know, after doing this research, I was thinking, Damn, they actually did set it on fire. You would expect a suit made of foam and stuff just to whoosh
0: straight up. Well, actually, we built a lot of the fire suits with the final layer was a half inch thick of, of 100 pore per inch white Scott foam, unpainted. Because if you paint it, you get a wrinkly surface. But if you leave it un- unpainted and just keep it out of the light, until you get it in front of the camera, and you know, re- take off the black plastic bag and go, um, and uh, it moves so much better. So um, let's see, what was I saying? <laughs> My mind's wandered. Um,
2: uh, uh, talking about the uh, just the suit catching fire and going yeah. up.
0: So far. Oh, okay, okay. So there's a half inch layer of that foam on the outside. Underneath that, well, first there's the L two hundred layer which I didn't find but um, then is a another I think it was a three quarter inch layer of pyrocell I think they called it something or it was a flameproof foam it was some ridiculous percentage of flame proof additives in a little bit of foam and so it was gray and bubbly looking but uh, it it would stop the flame there from getting any deeper plus we're sticking it together with a layer of urethane i mean the urethane foam you know you mix it up and you smear it and use that as the glue for the those fireproof ones if i remember correctly because we were using spray spray glue to put together the at least the one that didn't have to burn (laughs) it has been 37 years though so i could be forgetting (laughs)
2: Now, the suit itself, I imagine it had to be very uh, laborious to wear, very hot, heavy. Oh, was it? Well, What, was the, what were I the made, biggest challenges?
0: Actually, you know, I made it, so I made it comfortable. The biggest challenge is it's hot. Uh, sure. You know, it's, it's all insulation material all around your body and <laughs> a lot of air. But I, because it was flexible, if I waved my arms, then the whole body acted like a bellows. And I got fresh fresh air in and out, but I couldn't overdo it or I would start sweating, you know, you balance, you know, what you're getting out
2: of it. I had heard uh, somebody say that the suit Robin Williams wore on Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, how they archived that stuff is is zipped up in a bag with a sign on it with that says, Dear God, do not, <laughs> do not open. Because he had sweat so much into it that it just oh, yeah. has a putrid smell to it. So oh, I just geez. I just wondered if anything like that was happening.
0: Well, um, there are pictures. Actually, I might be able to find that one. It's bound to be here. Holding her nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's me. The, uh, the blurry one behind. It is funny how it's not allowing... It to focus. It's anyway. a very good yeah. filter, <laughs> isn't it? it? It really is. I don't know how to how to adjust that though. Oh, no so, worries. You're fine. <laughs> anyway, so it's a good shot, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now uh speaking of Robin Williams, um, I met him first at NBC when he was doing that what I told you. Right. Just after seeing him do that. I went to breakfast the next day and he was standing in the line, you know, in the cafeteria. And uh, so we sat down and had a meal together. I told him how brilliant, how much I had enjoyed seeing uh, what he'd done the day before. And uh, uh, that's a good way to make friends with anybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then we got to talking, I was doing some Shakespeare out in uh, Will Gears theater in Topanga. And I knew that he'd gone to Julia, I think he told me then that he'd gone to Juilliard and had done a bunch of Shakespeare, and so shortly after that, I guess maybe a year later, he is Mork. He is living in Topanga, and he is the Grand Marshal of the of the Topanga Days Parade. So I have another picture somewhere of that, but um, I had made some some weird. Uh, vegetable-like uh, costume mm. alien thingies, and so I got a picture of him with that on. And then years later, uh, we're doing Bicentennial Man, and I brought yes. him. I brought him a print of that picture. I said, "In case you're wondering, what you were doing in <laughs> in 1979, <laughs> I definitely don't remember." <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I helped uh, design, build the robot suit for Bicentennial Man. I helped dress Robin in it, and I doubled him in it because we were the same size. And they actually made the suits to fit me with a little bit of extra room in the legs for his, uh, his mountain biking legs and maybe a little bit of gut. But,
2: anyway. <laughs> That is yeah. one of my all-time favorite films. So, bravo! Really? That was what a great job. Yeah? Absolutely, I love his wow. whole journey to wanting to, uh, you know, be considered uh, a living person. Mm-hmm.
0: It was so yeah. good. so good. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was very much involved. In fact, we got the job because remember Nicholas Cage's Superman. Yes <laughs> yes,
2: we get reminded <laughs> often okay. I think you know? okay,
0: okay, well, we made a suit. it was a regeneration suit, and uh uh Colleen atwood, you familiar with She's um costumer for uh um the name's familiar but yeah. i i
2: wouldn't know her if i saw her to be honest
0: it did a lot of johnny depp suits for uh tim burton shows okay. um, a lot of really elaborate stuff but she also did uh costumes for batman and then or i guess it may be the first one i mean you know nicholson uh, uh, right but then this this uh, tim burton was going to direct nick cage as superman and so we we were it was across Christmas, didn't have any work for me to do at the time. And so I said, Hey, can I help them sculpt on that, that body over there in the secret room over there? And I went over and I started, they had these, it was like vacuform bulge muscles surrounded by soft uh, ureth Well, silicone, I guess. And I, I didn't think it was going to work. You know, you, you're putting hard where you need it to move. Right. Yeah. And and I don't think there's enough soft around it to make it really work. So I said, do you have any of those extra vacuform shapes? And I just disappeared and went up to my loft and started creating armor, clear armor that overlapped, invisible overlaps uh, to create this whole bubble suit without any of that extra stuff around it. there's a picture of
2: that in your uh, resume wrap, right?
0: Uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And it's got lasers. It's got, uh, you know, fiber optics underneath it, shooting lasers and (laughs) (laughs) frigging lasers, man.
2: (laughs) Superman with freaking
0: lasers. (laughs) And so, um, so actually it helped to satisfy the contractual obligation of a suit that would work. And so Colleen started chasing it that way as well in her shop, you know, having been inspired in that direction. So I, anyway, we ended up with some good footage of that suit. And then when uh, Chris Columbus was looking for uh, a solid robot, you know, that was hard all over, we showed him footage of that and they said, Oh good, you can. So let's, and so we got it. And then I got asked to do an arm. I came up with this, you know, the ball in the inside of an action figure. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could simulate that, you know, that passing through itself? Did it with leaves so that, you know, uh, you know it collapsed on itself. Little thin, uh, you know, eye-shaped leaves, like an orange sort of um, overlap. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That became a standard item element of the design. When uh, Galatea, remember uh, uh, the the girl robot? I do. Robin. Yes, she's so beautiful. The guys, we were already up on set shooting, and and uh, they came up with those shoulders. I was so impressed. I was jealous. It was such a brilliant design piece. And <laughs> Robins were big round balls. If you remember, right, he was supposed to be somewhat
2: of an older model compared to her in the film, correct?
0: Right, I think so. I hope so. (laughs) Incredible. The whole story was about upgrading, anyway. So it was good to have some, you know, difference. So uh, during one of the upgrades, they gave Robin some Italian uh, boots, actually, um, instead of the clunky robot boots that we'd made. Um, And so you know, he's upgrading. He's getting more spelt and stylish well these the tongue of this boot kept slipping out of the leg of the pant of the you know of the suit sure and he couldn't you know you can't shoot that it's not supposed to be out like that so we thought i thought i had it fixed and it happened again and the robot turned to me with this fix the shoes
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you don't want to mess
2: with the robot i know i know you, that you
0: don't so, uh, we had finished shooting, and, and I was doubling Robin in the suit, you know, but not a lot. He was mostly doing, there was one shot where uh, it was a scene where Little Miss is, well, Andrew Martin is is carving, you know, actually carving some, uh, with a, a mallet and chisel. And i have been sitting, talking to Robin's assistant, and mentioned that I'd done some carving with the union on toys and on, on Hook. And he said, oh, "Wow!" He comes running back. He said, Billy, you carve? Can you do the carving scene for me tomorrow? I'm afraid I'm going to cut my thumb off. So I said, "Sure, sure." So I got my own my own moment in the movie. <laughs> you <know>? How freaking <laughs> awesome! I even got a line in the movie. It was pretty exciting. You know, remember Stephen Root? You know Stephen Root, right? Stapler, my stapler. You know that guy? Yes. From yes. On, space. Well, he's. He's always invisible in whatever role he plays. He's just, anyway, he, he's the head of Northam Robotics. Businessman. And uh, Sir go, takes Andrew Martin to meet this guy and mentioned that the the robot is is acting differently. He's being artistic. He's coming up with, oh, well, bring him, we'll destroy it and we'll give you another. He said, no, 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 I, I like it. He says, but what if he runs amok? And Robin was trying to come up with a line to respond to that, but it wasn't working. He was he was going with running, something about running, and and so I'm screwing on his jaw, and I say, "One is not trained to run mucks, sir." (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So he went very good. Change it to program. Of course, you know one is not programmed to run mucks, sir. And it got in a movie. I, yeah, <laughs> That's incredible.
2: You Maybe. really need to write a book, man. You really yes, do. Yes, yes, you do.
0: <laughs> Could you just write all this shit down? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll just make a transcription of this podcast and we'll exactly. publish it. There you go. It. I'll yeah, there was <laughs> one other thing about Stay Puffed I was curious about. Uh, looking online. Uh, it said that you know original concepts of the stay puff scene have him uh when he first appears actually coming up out of the hudson river next to the statue <laughs> of liberty and i just wonder if that was ever presented to you and if it was how would have you ever tackled such a such a no, task
0: no, that would have been very difficult yeah. and and i'm glad they they abandoned that and actually they needed it for uh, for the statue of liberty You know, in the next one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because actually, in the very first script, there was a whole lot more. And it was in space, too. Did you know that? I mean.
2: Yes. It was supposed to be in like another dimension or something like that. There was a lot
0: going on there. And so they they brought it into filmable budget by bringing it down to Earth, literally. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that was uh, what was that Harold Ramis's idea. He's uh, like, "Well, oh, maybe we should bring this down to earth, make it a little more oh, yeah." Uh, relatable. Well, sure.
0: Dan Aykroyd wrote the original script, right? And and it was very exciting, a lot to deal with, and you know, no filters. And Harold Ramis's his script writing, he really was the brains of that show. i mean sure. Actually, here I want to sing you a song. Ready? Here we go. Seriously. Actually, did you ever hear the uh, Three Dog Night song, I've Never Been to Spain? Well, i never been to you know, Anyway.
2: I probably uh, actually, it. Uh,
0: yeah. So I was in a bar. Somebody asked, did you ever meet Sigourney? He said, well, I never met Sigourney, but I did meet Ernie Hudson. Now, oh, wait a second. Well, and so <laughs> <laughs> I'll just rip through it quick for you. I won't throw all the, the, uh, the beats, but... Uh, I never met Sigourney, but I did meet Ernie Hudson. I told Ivan I was stay puffed. In effect, he said, so what son? Between so what son and Ernie Hudson, I'll take Hudson. I met Murray doing Kimmel didn't turn out like I hoped for. We were supposed to be best friends now, but he never got the memo. Doing Kimmel got no memo, (laughs) not best friends now. Uh, (laughs) Aykroyd don't know me from Adam, but I got to play his icon. Maybe someday selling vodka, I will get to tell him thank you. Selling vodka, played his icon, I'll say thank you. Wish I had met Harold Ramis, cause he held it all together. Though the others were more famous, his reality was better. Harold Ramis, now he's famous, he was better. We were in the same production, but in different locations. Never got to bond as as castmates, but we shared in its creation. If they have a big reunion, I hope i get an invitation the end <laughs> <laughs> nice. that was awesome yeah. thank
2: you that was so cool though <laughs> I really enjoyed that.
0: is that online I, anywhere like to music or anything like that or no no actually i never i've recited it a few times i recited it to viola violet ramus oh his well, daughter his daughter i'm not sure i'm not sure and she said, I love his verse. Thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should put that on the front page. That's that's how your uh, book should open.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Confessions of a Marshmallow Man. <laughs> I love it. Love it.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Let me see. Uh, I guess one other question I have is i guess it's even kind of silly but uh you know we had ernie hudson on a while back and he says at any time he's in a new city anywhere that you know every city has its own chapter of the ghostbusters oh, yeah. i i wonder like do they have you are they ever like inducted you are you an honorary like ghostbuster member anywhere
0: i i received patches from them a lot i have a, a little baggie full of them that you know i keep saying you know i'll put them on a jacket or something but yeah, you know, know had other stuff to do. I'm still working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm making the uh, the gorilla glue gorilla again. So, uh, oh, that's, really? Yeah, yeah. Been working on that for a little while. How it's cool! Good.
2: It's it's funny when Ernie was on. He said, uh, you know, it's always awesome when you you know go to a new town. He goes, you know, I'm part of Chicago Ghostbusters and I don't know St. Louis. You know, any any city I've been to, and he goes. And as honored as I am, you know, at the same time, and he said this in a joking way, of course. He goes, "I feel like I'm the one that ought to be giving them the, the, the honor." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that pro- that makes sense." But
0: <laughs> but they are such a creative bunch. I I was in Massachusetts a couple of years ago for my father's memorial, so I told some of the the Massachusetts guys I was going to be around, so they they met at a, a restaurant. We got Together and, and one of the things I was given was a it was a little pin, and it was a combination of the Ghostbusters logo, and the Grateful Dead logo. Can you picture it?
2: Uh, no, are you on, talking, the talking the Grateful the Dead, logo Dead logo with the with like the uh, the, the yeah, bolt through yeah.
0: it? Yeah, yeah, that. But I I'm trying to remember if it was just I don't think it was just the no, the red red no. I think there was more to it than that. Anyway, it's on a jacket elsewhere. Right now. Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah, every chapter uh, makes, takes that logo and makes it their own somehow. I've yeah. seen so many yes. uh, different ones.
0: Yeah, it was Michael Gross's design. Which, really? Uh, I believe so. How cool.
2: Well, Bill, this has been surreal. Thank you <laughs> so very much. Merry Christmas to you. And um, Thank you very
0: much. We Appreciate look forward it. to seeing no.
2: more of your work, man. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I think I'll just keep doing some more. How's that?
2: Fantastic. I, I prefer the practical <laughs> over CG any day. Definitely, yeah.
0: Oh, good, Amen. good.
2: <laughs> All right, everyone. And there it is, our conversation with Bill Bryan. I can't tell you how much fun we had talking with him. He was such a nice guy, as you can hear. And uh, my God, just his hands in so many things. We d- We only got to scratch the surface of everything he's done. So I encourage you to get on his IMDb page and check out everything he's done, as well as on YouTube, and check out his resume wrap, because there are things that you'll see in there that aren't even on the IMDb, like we were stating in the conversation. So check that out, and don't forget to find him on Facebook, and you can find him on Instagram at bill.staypuffed. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at pod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And again, if you want to show some support, head over to our website, CanDarePodcast.com. All kinds of things on there that you can check out, including some of our past interviews we've done over the past shit over eight years now. And uh, ways you can support us. The merch button. Get yourself a shirt, a mug, a sticker. I don't even know everything that's on there. I suppose I had to check that out so I can be more thorough with these rants. But uh, also our Patreon page, where for either 5 or $10 a month, you can get access to uh, shows that these normies aren't getting people. Exclusive content just for you, just for a few dollars a month. So if you decided to become a supporter, we'd be eternally grateful. I promise you guys. And once again, don't forget to find us at Evergreen Podcast Network at evergreenpodcast.com. We're on there with so many other amazing shows, and uh, we're very proud to be a part of it. So once again, evergreenpodcast.com. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. I am Jeremy Colley, and as always, be excellent to each other. Whoops! Help! Quickly walk back to the edge! Stop, you'll break through the ice!
1: Snowjob!
2: Grab this branch. You should have been listening to Canned Air.
1: Now we know!
2: And knowing is half the battle. Snowjob, how'd you get your name? Um.
3: G.I. Joe! This has been a Canned
0: Air production.